Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Great to see so many people here. I'm going to assume you're all here to see me, of course. Um, But you're all really welcome and looking forward to having dinner together with everyone as well later, which is going to be great. First time we've done that since something happened that changed the world 18 months ago. Um, So one of the the things that my four-year-old son, Joel, always wants to know is how things are feeling. And it's mostly quite cute. it becomes a little bit more tricky when he's asking about inanimate objects, like what's that car feeling and what's that road feeling or what's that house feeling. Um, and it also can be a bit embarrassing. So I was in the supermarket with Joel um, and he's in the trolley and he pointed at a stranger and just said, what's that man feeling? Um, so Joel is always curious to know how I'm feeling. He'll always say to me, what are you feeling, Dad? Um, and I'm, firstly, I'm thinking, well, Dad, you're only four. I'm still daddy, right? Um, And I I realised that, I mean, I always try and answer that question honestly, as much as is reasonable to answer that to a four-year-old. And I realised that more often than not, I was answering that question by saying, I feel tired. And I started to think about this response. Um, Is it a bit echoey? Yeah? Do I need to move the mic? Is that better? Yeah? Right, I'll go from where I was. I won't start again. Um, I say that because it's true. Um, Then I started to think, well, what does it actually say about my life at the moment that I'm always tired? And and the reality is, actually, I'm not lacking in sleep. Um, Not really. Not not more than the average person my age. Um, I'm not doing anything particularly stressful. I'm not doing overtime. I'm not managing a big project. And then the reality dawned on me, I'm not actually sleepy. I'm weary and I'm burdened. I'm just a little bit exhausted by the act of living. My soul feels restless in some way. Then I started to think about what Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, that he says, "I, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I thought, is this what having life to the full looks like? I just feel knackered. So... How are you feeling this morning? Do you feel like you're living life to the full? Or do you just feel weary and tired and burdened? If you're the former, great. You can, you can sit this one out um, for the next half an hour. Um, but if you're the latter, like me, then I've got some good news for you. It's that God has made rest and he invites us to have it. Our, our passage this morning, it'll come up on, on the screen now, is um, Genesis 2. Verses 1 to 3. And it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God has finished his work of creation. And now, day seven, he rests. And there's there's three things I want to look at this morning. Firstly, why we fail to rest. 
Secondly, why God made rest. And then thirdly, most importantly, how to find rest. So why did we fail to rest? When, when was the last time that you had a proper rest? And when I, when I say rest, I mean a deep, fulfilling, soul-enriching rest that brought you joy and helped you feel closer to God. And if you can think of a time when that happened, how often do you have that kind of rest? Is it daily? Is it weekly? Monthly? Yearly? I don't think rest comes easily to us. It doesn't come easily to me. I'm, I'm, I'm a doer, I'm a thinker, I'm constantly active, and I find switching off hard, and I'm not alone, I don't think, in that. And I'm going to suggest two major reasons this morning why um, rest is hard for us. The first one is consumerism, and the second one is distraction. So let's look at consumerism first. Wikipedia describes consumerism as the social and economic order that encourages the acquisition of goods and services in ever-increasing amounts. I'm going to rephrase it, make it a bit more simple, and say that consumerism is a lie that we need more stuff to be happy. Whereas if we contrast to what the Bible says about what we need to be happy, 1 Timothy 6 verse 7 says that we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Is that true? Is that true for us? Would I be content with just food and clothing? I don't think I would. I've got a problem. We're we're drip-fed a consumerist message by advertising. In 2019, it was estimated that the global marketing industry was worth more than $1.7 trillion. It's estimated that this year, 2021, worldwide spending on digital ads, that's just digital ads, so what you see on the internet, not all advertising, would be over $375 billion. Contrast that to what we give to the poor. In 2020, $161 billion was given globally on foreign aid, which is to say that we spend more than twice as much money trying to convince rich people they need more stuff than we spend on helping the poorest people on the planet during a pandemic. And what does Jesus say about where our treasure is, our heart will also be? What does it say about where the treasure of the world is? And then there's distraction. And here, this is the greatest distraction in the world. On average, we would check our phones 58 times a day. And we will spend three hours and 15 minutes looking at it daily. Three hours a day and we still think we haven't got enough time to do stuff. Um, And let me ask maybe a, a challenging question. How many of the 58 times that we'll pick up our phone on a Sunday is join church when we're supposed to be worshipping God. If you define addiction as a relentless pull to a substance or activity that becomes so compulsive that it ultimately interferes with everyday life, and then consider our relationship to these devices, then I would argue that for a lot of people, smartphones aren't a tool that we have control over, but is an idol that controls us. Imagine what our lives, our faith, our church, our city and our nation would look like if we picked up our Bibles 58 times a day and spent three hours a day praying and in the presence of God. 
there's, there's loads of brilliant stuff about this. I could go on all day. I won't. We're all hungry and want to eat later, don't we? Um, in this book, this is called The, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry um, by John Mark Comer. Um, you've probably heard of it. It's a great book. Highly recommend it. So much so, we're doing it in community group right now. Um, they might recognise some of this material from that book. Um, what has this got to do with rest? What has consumerism and distraction got to, to do with rest? Well, the lie of consumerism causes us to deprioritise rest and prioritise stuff. It turns our focus away from God. And we spend less time enjoying his presence and more time striving towards the things that we think we need to be happy, the things that we covet. And also it makes us compare ourselves to other people. So we're never satisfied because somebody else has always got something better than what we've got. And then when the chance comes to rest, maybe we can get off the conveyor belt for a moment. We can't actually do it because we're endlessly distracted by mobile phones, social media, trash TV. Yeah, we could rephrase the psalm, couldn't we? One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of Netflix and social media. Now, none of this is new. This isn't a new thing. Distraction, uh, consumerism, mobile phones addiction, it's merely a symptom of a deeper human problem that has been with us since the beginning and will continue to be with us. It's phones today, it's something else tomorrow. And that thing is this. We're looking in the wrong place, place for our rest, for our peace and our happiness. I think St. Augustine summed it up when he said, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Do you hear that word, restless? Do you feel restless? We are restless unless we rest in God. We strive for things that we need, or we think we need, and they don't give us rest. They just cause us to hurry and worry. We, we squander the times that we might rest and give in to meaningless distractions. And it, and it just forms a barrier. It just gets in the way of us meeting with God. It, it stops us from living that fullness of life and that fullness of relationship that he calls us to. And slowly but surely, we get worn out and eventually we burn out. It affects our health, it affects our relationships, it affects our faith because we stop drawing from the well of God's presence. We end up feeling spiritually malnourished, feeling like God is distant to us, intuitively knowing that there must be more to it than this. Being a disciple of Jesus must mean more than what it feels like right now, always hurry and worry and stress, but we can't quite put our finger on what it, what it is we're doing wrong. Does it resonate with you in any way? Is it just me that feels this way sometimes? If, if that does resonate with you or part of that resonates with you, then I've got good news this morning and a good invitation to give you, God's invitation to rest in him. So why did God make rest? Well, we're looking um, in our current preaching series at Genesis chapters 1 to 4, and we're looking at the origins of how things are and also why things aren't the way they should be. And our passage, as I said, it's we've, we've reached the end of God's creation. He has made everything and it is good and he delights in his creation and then he rests. Now, you'll notice that this is before the fall, so this is supposed to be how it is. This is how it's supposed to be. We are supposed to have this rhythm of work and rest. 
Now let's jump forward to Exodus 20, where God gives the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. And he says this. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Now, interesting, this is the only commandment of the temple where God actually goes on to explain why, why we need to do it. And if you look at what he says, you'll see the parallels between this and our passage in Genesis 2. He says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So here we see the instigation of a new day. The Sabbath is commanded by God to be observed by the Israelites every week. And the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew Shabbat, which can mean to stop or to delight. Which means that the Sabbath isn't simply a day of not doing work. It's not a day off. It's a, it's a day of rest experienced through worshipping God and delighting in his presence. And it's not a nice optional extra either. It's, it's just something that God is entirely insistent on being observed. In fact, later on, it's, God says it's punishable by death if you don't do this. Imagine that if you don't rest. Why is it so serious? Why does God put such a, an emphasis on this? Well, the Sabbath, if you read on in Exodus, the Sabbath is described as a, as a sign to remind the people of, of the fact that they belong to God and what he has done for them. But it's also part of the natural rhythm and order of God's creation. We're supposed to rest. He's made us to do this. We've got a cat called Coco. If you've been to our house, you've probably been accosted by her trying to sit on your knee when you don't want her to. Um, and like all cats, she spends most of her time sleeping. Um, and like a lot of people, I've spent the last 18 months working from home. Um, and I'll often be rushing between Zoom meetings, like frantically trying to find a moment just to have a wee sometimes. It can be that ridiculous, let alone a drink or something to eat. And I'll see Coco sleeping, and I just feel really envious of her. Um, she's living her very best life. Um, but here's the thing, she's not doing anything special. She's doing what she's supposed to do. She's supposed to rest. She's supposed to spend 16 hours a day sleeping. It's what makes her a cat. It's what allows her to thrive and flourish as a cat. She doesn't need a law to tell her to do it. She just does it. It's who she is. It's part of who they are. And in the same way, we need to rest. We need to be regularly enjoying God's life-giving presence in our lives, like a cat needs to sleep, in order for us to be able to flourish and thrive as well. So how do we find it? It's all one good saying, we've got a problem and, and that there's an offer, but how do we actually do this? How do we find rest? How do we take what we see in Genesis 2 and, and later on what we see in, in Exodus um, when, when God instigates the Sabbath and apply it to our everyday lives? Well, I want to answer that question in two ways. Firstly, with some practical advice, and then I want to kind of follow and, and finish the biblical thread on this issue. Let's start with the practical stuff. And firstly, the question that you may or may not be asking, which is, do we need to observe the Sabbath today? 
Um, we've talked about how this day was baked into God's creation. It's, it's a law in the commandments, in the Ten Commandments. So do we have to practice a Sabbath? Does this commandment still apply to us today? Well, my answer is no and yes. Um, no, because I I don't think we're bound by the law in that way. I don't think that um, what applies to us is the same that applies to the Israelites. There's loads I could say on this, um, loads I've read on this, but I don't have time. What I would say is if you read Romans 14, 5 and Colossians 2, 16, 17, it would suggest that the, the regulation about Sabbath that was for the Israelites doesn't apply to us in the same way as Christians. But more importantly, more importantly than that, Jesus has redefined how we interpret what Sabbath is. And we'll come to that in a moment. But I would also say yes, actually. Because this rhythm of working six days and resting for one is God's wisdom to us. And I think God's pretty clever. Knows what he's talking about. So we should take heed of his wisdom to us. We're not meant to be restless. We're meant to stop and delight in him. We need to stop and delight in him. In order to flourish and thrive, then we have to do this. So I don't think it's a law. No, I don't think it's a law to us. But I think it'd be wise to build in time, to build in regular Sabbath rest into our lives, to where possible find a day in seven, one day in seven, to stop our work and to delight in him. And when I say work, I don't just mean our job. If we have one, Work can be, you know, decorating or um, stuff around the house. It could be, I don't know, depends if you feel gardening is restful or not. I'd say it's definitely work. Um, How do we do this? What should we do or not do on this day of rest if we instigated a Sabbath day for ourselves? Well, I'm going to just share a few things that hopefully are helpful. I don't want to be prescriptive here because what looks like rest for somebody isn't the same for somebody else. I'm quite an introvert, so rest for me doesn't involve being around lots of people. Um, But you may love that. That might be how you get all your energy from being in groups. Um, But these things I'm going to talk about now, they all require action. They all require action because resting is a discipline that we have to build, actively build into our lives. So the first one is to find what gives your soul joy and then do that. Um, What makes you feel closer to God? Because when you're doing it, you're appreciating him and his creation and his good gifts that he's given to you. Um, I went to Chester Zoo on Friday. It was amazing because it was no one there. Um, So I had the place to myself um, pretty much. And I, I love looking at the animals. I love seeing the beauty and variety of God's creation. It's good for my soul. It's good for my soul because it reminds me of the wisdom and the glory of God. And I wandered into this little aviary, which is um, just idyllic. There was nobody there. And all I could hear was running water and the sound of birds singing. And I just had this moment of peace and tranquility. And I thought this must be like what Eden was like um, a little bit. Um, And then Joel started saying, go, because he was bored. Uh, So I need to go back there without children. That's the lesson. (laughs) What gives you that feeling? What makes you feel like that? Maybe you love reading books. 
Maybe you love going for walks. Maybe you love having a nice meal with friends and family. Maybe you love exercising. I'm going to put exercise here because I, I, I really enjoy going for a run down the river on, on a Sunday afternoon when I can. I find that a restful activity. Make these, make these things your Sabbath day activities. Structure your day around doing these things. Secondly, um, eliminate distractions. Um, I've already talked about this. Distractions keep us from fully entering and enjoying God's presence. If you're praying and your phone is there, you're going to pick it up. If you're reading your Bible on your phone, you're going to look at Instagram or TikTok or whatever at some point. And I'd argue that looking at a screen, whether it's a six-inch phone or a 40-inch TV, isn't really resting anyway. I don't think Netflix, I don't think binging on TV shows, which is okay, it's okay to do that. I, I'm not, I'm not anti-telly or phones. I've got a phone. I'm, you know, got a telly. It's not restful, though. We need to remove the temptation to get that dopamine rush that our phones offer us by switching it off sometimes. Um, there's a book, another book I'd recommend. I don't have a hard copy of it, but it's called The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. It's got loads of really helpful advice on, on how we can rule our technology rather than letting it rule us. Um, and here's a few things that I do. So I'm, I'm no expert in this. Uh, I definitely need to do... I definitely... Um, need to go further in sort of eradicating this noise and distraction, but I don't let my phone to my bedroom. I don't want the last thing I touch at night and the first thing I touch in the morning to be a, a mobile phone. I'm trying as much as possible to leave it on my desk. It doesn't need to go around the house with me when I'm doing life, when I'm playing with my kids. Um, when I'm doing the school run, I don't, need, I don't take it with me. It's good to put technology in its place. It's a tool. It's a good tool, but it's a tool. And not let it creep into our time of rest. So maybe, perhaps, I haven't done this. Um, we're still working out as a family what a Sabbath day really looks like for us, but I'm, I'm very sure that it will probably involve switching my phone off for at least part of the day, maybe all of it. Thirdly, we need to accept our limitations hate to break it to you, but time is finite. <laughs> and so is your capacity and your gifting. You can't do everything. You, you just can't. You're going to have to say no to stuff. Decide what you can't do now. Maybe that project that in the, ha in the home needs to be put on hold. Maybe... Maybe that promotion that's coming up at work can wait. Maybe the novel that you've been burning to write needs to just be put in the back burner for the time being. Because if it's taking away your opportunity and getting in the way of the opportunity to rest and to be in God's presence, then it probably isn't worth it. Prioritise the things that you need to do and then draw the line where your capacity is. And anything that falls under that line just needs to go for now. But this isn't a self-help talk, right? I'm not doing a TED talk here, how to have a good rest. Um, and you may or may not agree that this is good advice. Um, it's fine. I'm not going to be offended if you think I'm, I'm you know, talking rubbish. Um, because ultimately, what we really, really need 
more than a screen break or a trip to the zoo. It's to find a deeper rest for our souls. And that can't be found in simply having a good routine. The routine helps us to find the time, make the time to do this, but in it of itself, it isn't the answer. A rest that we need, the rest that we truly need, is to, to fully grasp and enjoy God's presence in our lives, which then stills the restlessness in our hearts. And the disciplines that we've been talking about are just a way of making that possible. They're not the end of themselves. But here's the thing. I said that Jesus redefined what the Sabbath means to us, and it's, this is what I think it, how I think that works out. Because the rest isn't just a weekly occurrence. It's a way of life. Let's, if we follow the, the biblical thread on this subject, you'll come to Matthew 11, Verses 28 to 30, um, famous verses. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus offers rest for our souls. And it's really easy to get it. There's just three things that we need to do in that passage. We come to him, we take his yoke, and we learn from him. What do we learn from him? Well, that he is our rest. That's what we learn from him. We understand that we can trust in him and his finished work on the cross. And, and through that work on the cross, we can enter into the presence of God. The barrier, the restriction is removed. We are free to come in and enjoy his presence. That we can take on his easy yoke, his light burden, and exchange it for our heavy burden. The heavy burden of our sin, of our guilt, of our striving, And we don't need a special day to do this. A special day is good. As I said, it's the wisdom of God to have a special day of rest. But the invitation that Jesus makes here to come to him and to find rest for our souls is not just a Sunday thing. This is an everyday, every moment thing. It's available to us all the time. The opportunity to stop, to delight, to enter God's presence is there for us always. And when we live like this, when we carry this, this easy yoke, We've, then we experience what fullness of life looks, that, looks like. We find a peace and a rest for our souls. And not only that, we know that one day, one day we will enter into our final, eternal Sabbath rest, where we will be with him in glory forever. And there will be no more Distractions, there'll be no more barriers between us and Jesus. This this invitation from Jesus, this is a this is a really sweet, a really sweet invitation. It's possibly the most beautiful in all of Scripture. That Jesus, who is gentle and lowly in heart, says, Come to me, and I will offer you 
rest for your soul. And he's making that offer to us right now. I'm going to ask Jamie to come back and I'm going to just quickly pray for us that we can respond to this message. How how do you want to respond to that this morning? Because Jesus is offering that to us right now. He says, come. Maybe, maybe you've never accepted that invitation before. Maybe you've never set, come to Jesus to be a follower of his. Well, he says, I want to offer you rest for your soul. Come to me. Follow me. Exchange your heavy burden for my light one and enter into my presence and my rest. Maybe you're just really worn out. You are burdened and you are weary. You are tired. Jesus says, come to me this morning. Put down your heavy burden. Take up my light one and I will give you rest for your souls. Shall we stand and then I'll I'll pray. Father, I, I thank you for this wonderful, wonderful invitation that you give to us to come to you. And this morning, we, we want to do that. We, we come to you where we are now, with our, our hearts open. And we say, yes, Father, I want, yes, Jesus, I want to come to you. And as we step out to him, Jesus, Jesus meets us. When we respond to him, he meets us by his spirit. He gives us a peace and he fills our hearts with that, that deep love that can only come from him. Yes. So God, I pray that as we, as a people this morning, we, we would accept anew that invitation to come to you and find rest for our souls. Yes. Amen.